Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water, to support women as leaders in the conservation movement, to ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. everyone. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I am your host, Marsha Brownlee, and our co-host today is Maggie Human. Maggie, it's great to have you on. Yay, it's good to be back in the land of the living. I feel like I've <laughs> yeah. been like, MIA for the last three months. <laughs> well, with good reason. Your, your life changed a bit. Do you want to tell us about your new baby? Yes. Um, little Cricket was born on March 1st. And life has been awesome ever since. She's been a great little baby. She's already been out on the boat fishing. And I can't wait till it actually kind of warms up in the West so that I can take her out and do more stuff. Because yeah. It's been a little snowy the last few mornings. That's, uh, that's lovely. How's it? Um, I would love, I'm going to, well, let me introduce our guest, but then I have questions for you about babies on boats. <laughs> okay. um, our guest okay. today is Angie Scott. Hi, Angie. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to talk with you. Um, and curious if you have any tips about babies on boats too. How did yeah? What did you do to bring a baby on a boat, Maggie? How how did you set that up? Um, well, hopefully Artemis doesn't get a bunch of like DMs about me being a terrible mother. No, well, if we <laughs> but, do, we um... will we'll push back on that real hard. <laughs> babies travel <laughs> well. Know, I've I've asked a couple of people and some of my um, peers at Trout Unlimited about you know what their methods were for getting babies on boats and you know there's mixed um mixed messages on what you should do as far as like strap the life jacket to the car seat and put them in the car seat or wear them on the your chest and then you wear a life jacket but you can't buckle it all the way because they're on your chest so um we most babies nowadays you know have their little white noise machine in their bedroom and so we made sure that we got one that had nature sounds and so we've been blasting like river sounds and like wind blowing through tents and trees and stuff like that and so we put her on the boat in the car seat and she fell right asleep nice. when she was I guess a month and a half old so that's she did cool. awesome on it and hasn't been on it since because dad's back to guiding season and so my boat's a little co-opted at the moment but planning on doing a lot of weight fishing in the little baby Bjorn front carrier this summer so looking forward to that excellent we look forward to the pod the um, product reviews <laughs> And Cricket, was your um, your father-in-law's name is Cricket, is that right? Cricket is my father-in-law's name. It's not like his name on paper, so to speak. You know, I'm uh, from the South, and so everybody goes by different names that are not their real names. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yes, it's a nod to him. And, you know, obviously I like bugs, so I had no problems with naming the child Cricket. It's perfect. It's a sweet <laughs> name. Yeah. Well, excellent. Um so Angie, I'm excited to have you on as a guest this podcast. As I was saying earlier, I think you and I have known each other for about four years now, but this is the first time that um, we've had you on the podcast. So I'm really excited to to dig into some great conversation. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm glad we could finally make it happen. I know I've had I had you on the show on the, on the Woman Angler and Adventure a couple times now. We did a, a quick episode about the new uh, program. I'm sure we're going to talk about bad tactics. And, uh, and yeah, so it's great to finally be on your show. Yeah. Um, I want to start by one of my favorite questions. Um, what is your favorite fish to eat and how do you eat it? So this is kind of funny. Uh, ironically, I don't really eat fish. <laughs> <laughs> I love to catch them. 
um, we grew up, I grew up in Minnesota and my family was very outdoors and we, I think I just got fished out uh, <laughs> food wise growing up. We had it so much. So, um, but when I do eat fish, my absolute favorite is walleye. It's just uh, such a white, clean fish that doesn't have any kind of fishy flavor to it. And uh, my favorite way to prepare it is in some good old beer batter. <laughs> mm, nice. Can't go wrong with fish and chips. Nope. Nice. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so my name's Angie Scott. I, uh, like I said, originally from Minnesota, but I actually live in the Nashville area now, Tennessee. I was brought here, um, wanted to work in the music business when I got out of high school. Oh, wow. And so I found out that there were schools in the Nashville area that actually had music business programs. So I ended up just kind of didn't know anybody, just packed up and came down here and uh, went to school and graduated and actually got a job in the music business. It's a pretty competitive industry to get into. Kind of was in the right place at the right time and worked for one of the major booking agencies in town for about 16 years and kind of started missing. I, I love the music industry a lot, but I, I was missing getting outdoors. You know, I had a desk job. I was in a windowless office and from nine to six thirty every day and it kind of started taking a toll on me uh as i got further in my career um so i ended up buying a, a little quest pontoon to get out on the water and uh, that was probably i think that was in 2015 is when i finally got a boat and it, that kind of just changed my trajectory from there i loved being out on the water so much so I actually worked to get my captain's license with the goal of maybe doing like charters for a living so I could just be out there all the time. And uh, so I worked on that for a while, got that. Actually, I've upgraded since to my master captain's license, nice. but uh, got into fishing more, um, bass fishing specifically because my favorite fish to, to go for up in Minnesota was walleye. Um, but the lake I'm on here in Tennessee does not even have walleye in it. So I had to kind of adjust and find something, something else. And so I had my first experience catching a bass topwater, which was really exciting. And I was like, okay, I, I get bass fishing now. I see why people <laughs> are really drawn to it. It's just so much fun to see them come out of nowhere and attack your lure and uh, so that kind of got me hooked on that. And I joined a local fishing club called Team Nashville Bassmasters, which is a, a really great group. Um, currently, I'm the only woman in the club. Um, but what's cool about this is they fish tournaments on all different lakes in our region. Uh, we just, our latest one was down on Gunnersville. I've never fished Gunnersville before. It's legendary bass lake. So um, but what's cool about it is you fish these tournaments as a team. So when I first joined, I was a non-boater. So I was mostly fishing from the back of the boat. But you learn from all the different guys you get paired up with. And so that was a really great way to kind of uh, shorten the learning curve for me when it, it came to getting into bass fishing. Because yeah. these guys, a lot of them have been fishing for so long and they have so much knowledge. And then as you're fishing as a team of course they want you to do well so they're mm -hmm. sharing information techniques you know baits things like that with you 
throughout the day. So that's been a, a great way to, to, to get into it. And then uh, also in 2020, joined the Lady Bass Anglers Association. I did my first tournament as a uh, uh, co-angler, they call it. So you don't fish as a team on that one, but you have a boater and a, or a pro and a co. And so I tried just to get my feet wet with them. Uh, we fished Truman Lake in Missouri. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is really cool. I want to get into this. So next thing you know, next year I'm a boater and or a pro and uh, I'm just loving it. I'm just continuing to learn. And so along the way, I also started the podcast, The Woman Angler and Adventurer, which is now up to, I think, 237 episodes, somewhere in there. Nice. So that's been uh, going strong every week, every Tuesday, putting out a new episode. Um, my, one of my most recent ones was uh, I met a lady down on Gunnersville, Captain Betty Stahl, who was just amazing to talk to. So that was a that was a real fun episode. She came out to the campground. I travel in a Lance truck camper. We call it the mobile podcast studio. <laughs> so she came out and, and uh, it was a beautiful day. So we just sat on the banks of Gunnersville and had a conversation. A lot of fun. Loved meeting all sorts of people along the way. Awesome. What a what an awesome journey. Uh, and yeah. I'm so it's so it strikes me as I hear you talk about um, joining that bass fishing tournament that what a really cool model that is for, for, for recruiting and teaching, um, and just kind of incorporating new anglers into the fold, um, a hundred percent. And it like, there's no other model for that outside of bass fishing. Is there? Um, not that I'm aware of, um, Maggie, you may know of, of something, but, uh, I know there's other types of, of tournaments and so they may have similar stuff like people do catfish tournaments and um, uh, walleye tournaments up north and things like that. So they may have similar models in that. But uh, I think that's fishing. It's just, uh, obviously it's super popular. Yeah. Um, the most popular game fish in the country to go after. And so bass fishing as a whole is just really exploding. Um, with, you know, BASS, Major League Fishing, all the different professional tournament trails and the fact that now fans can watch their anglers fish all day long live on the internet, you know, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the walleye scene is the only thing like comparable to that because I was going to say our trout tournaments out here are definitely, you know, two anglers per boat and then they put opposite team mm. so you don't want the other guy to know anything and you're not sharing it oh interesting <laughs> you know it's a more of a competitive thing so that is yeah. really neat the camaraderie of it all um when I was in college I remember I, I went to school at Auburn University in Alabama and I remember them starting their bass fishing club and like a bunch of my friends were on it and they go to Gunnersville every weekend and Lake Martin and all these places and I mean just the camaraderie it built like has grown enormously and now like I see pictures of them and they're like full-blown professional teams you know that all these university have universities have which is super cool to see yeah yeah I That's wish fun. we had fishing in my school growing up you know I might have had a different path but uh, now it's getting more popular that high schools have fishing teams and the kids can uh, start at that level and learn you know 
you have coaches and things like that. So that's, that's a really great thing. And then they can go on and fish college if they want to and, and carry it on even beyond that. So, so cool. So for the, the Woman Angler and Adventure podcast, I'm curious, like, what was the, obviously with your business background, um, I, I imagine you have a bit of an entrepreneur spirit mindset, uh, but what was it about um, where you were that made you want to amplify the stories of women anglers specifically? Yeah, so the whole podcast thing kind of started because I was working in the music business at the time and I was looking to kind of shift my trajectory to a more outdoors centered, um, you know, path with getting my captain's license and stuff. Podcasts were really taking off at that time. And I thought maybe I could start a podcast about fishing and, you know, maybe generate some income from it. You know, I didn't, I know it takes a lot to really make money on a, on a podcast. You have to be like a, Tim Ferriss or you know (laughs) some major name but uh anyway I so I actually started it as a a show called it pays the fish Hmm. and I interviewed people that were making a living in the fishing industry at all different facets of it so not just guides or tournament anglers but I had a guy Casey Scott was one of my first guests he's a marine artist he does a lot of the artwork for hook clothing um, and paintings and things like that that he sells. And then I had uh, like a YouTuber, you know, just all these different different people in the fishing industry. And honestly, it was almost a way for me to kind of learn what different avenues there are for my own self. <laughs> nice but, research. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but early on, I, I had on a guest that um, ran a big fishing group up in Wisconsin of all women and I that really got the wheels turning I was like you know they're right now they're at that time there was not any other platforms out there to share women's stories specifically who were doing awesome things in fishing or other outdoor adventures and so that's where I made the shift um, to the woman angler and adventure and just made that my main focus just to give women a platform a voice you know we've got takemefishing.org that has been doing a lot with trying to promote women and get more women involved in fishing because they've seen that that's the fastest growing segment of fishing but then we're not retaining them because they're not seeing themselves represented in the industry you know when you go to look at a catalog or um, advertising of any kind at a store you just don't see a lot of women being represented and so I just felt like this would be a great way to share these stories and hopefully people find the show and listen and get inspired by some of these amazing ladies that I've had on as guests. That's awesome. 237 episodes weekly is no small yeah. feat. <laughs> you must be tired. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, very challenging. Um, I get into situations because I do have a full-time job now yeah. in the boating industry. I work for Freedom Boat Club, and so that keeps me very busy, plus trying to fish tournaments and travel mm-hmm. and then keep up with doing an episode every week. It, it has become a grind um, I did have to take a little step back here a few weeks ago where I, I put out some older episodes as kind of revisited mm-hmm. uh, to give myself a little break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
to yeah. uh, that during the heat of my tournament travel season. Um, but we're back to, to doing regular weekly episodes again. But yeah, we'll see. I may have to make an adjustment at some point and maybe go to like every other week. But so far, yeah. it's been working out. It's awesome. Um, and I, I enjoy it. Um, so thank you for having such great yeah. conversations. And I would love, uh, I want to plug it really quickly. So tell people where they can find it and maybe tell them what episode they should start with if, they, if you have a favorite. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I would, well, first of all, find it at thewomanangler.com. You can listen right on the website. Of course, we're on all the major podcast platforms. So whatever your favorite platform is to listen to podcasts, there's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, like they all have a podcast platform now. So you can just search for The Woman Angler and it should pop up. Um, I recommend starting with the, the latest one I mentioned with Captain Betty Stahl. She is just absolutely wonderful lady um she fishes gunnersville and she fished with bass and gals back in the 80s when they had that tournament trail so just really inspiring i love i love anytime i get an opportunity to have one of the pioneers mm. as as i see them of, of fishing on the show a lot of them sometimes I, I have a hard time getting them to agree to come on as guests so <laughs> they don't uh really a lot of them don't really understand what a podcast is okay and or they're just nervous but I love getting the opportunity to have them on to preserve their stories for future generations to hear fantastic um Angie I'm curious um what all types of angling you do is it everything with spin tackle do you dabble in fly fishing at all um I'm mostly traditional I'm mostly a conventional angler I fish all all species. I love getting the opportunity to go down to Florida and do some inshore fishing and uh, even offshore whenever I get the opportunity. So I, I have fly fished before, not very much. I've caught one fish on the fly. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, Jen Ripple, a good friend. She lives here in Tennessee as well. So she's always right. encouraging me to, to learn how to cast that fly rod. But uh so it's not my I've, i went on a trip with with them and heather hudson uh, down in florida and they fly fished the whole time and i was the only one using my conventional gear and uh, it just looks like so much work <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you guys it's are so working funny. so hard and so i'm just like that's cast catch a fish you know <laughs> i've gone out with some guys here a couple times after lake trout which is like deep trolling stuff um mm-hmm. almost like offshore fishing and um you know they've made fun of me because they're like you're really bad at this and you're from Alabama you're supposed to do this better <laughs> I'm like, I, know. I always liked bugs growing up and so I got into fly fishing at an early age and so I kind of you know bypassed the whole spin gear scene um but it's really interesting too like what you're saying as far as like elevating women I feel like fly fishing has the Heather Hodgson's and Jen Ripples and, you know, these women that I think have like come to the forefront and you see their faces everywhere and they're doing a great job yeah. getting the representation out there. And I just, I don't see it as much on the conventional side. And I really appreciate what you're doing to try and elevate that. Yeah. Thank you. There's, um, you know, like I said, I mentioned, take me fishing, had the women, women making waves campaign that they're still doing and they try to, you know, mix in the other influencers and, and women 
representatives in fishing. Um, so that's probably the biggest one I've seen, but I'm you know, happy to continue providing this podcast platform as long as people are in, you know, continue to enjoy the content. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, the women making waves, which is part of the, like you said, the take me fishing.org. And I want to say the acronym of the organization because it makes me so happy every time I do RBFF, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which given that they, they talk a lot about women and fishing and do a lot of, uh, work to amplify and elevate women's stories. Um, I really do think of them as RBFF, but uh, Recreational (laughs) Boating and Fishing Foundation, um, they do fantastic work uh, and you should check out their website because it's full of a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. Um, So yeah, bass fishing. So we've been collaborating most recently on um, bass tactics which is awesome and i know you did a podcast talking about the backstory of the curriculum that you developed for introducing new bass anglers um can you talk a little bit about the backstory there yeah so actually i was doing in addition to the podcast for a while there i was doing a monday night live show every monday on uh it would go out on facebook and youtube and barbara harris had led that up and we did a, I think it ended up being a six part series on getting people brand new to fishing. Like here are the steps. This is where you start. This is what you should do next. So people aren't jumping, you know, going out to Bass Pro and getting overwhelmed by the just plethora of weights and gear and options and just spending a lot of money that they don't need to spend. Like we've kind of really broke it down to like, this is where you need to start. And so Barbara was kind enough to share the outline that she put together for that series. And I kind of based Bass Tactics off of that outline and branched out and added some some more things and, um, you know, stuff like that. But that was the, the basis of it. So Barbara did a lot of work behind the scenes going into Facebook groups, asking people, you know, what questions do you have? What would you like to know if you were just getting into fishing and kind of taking a step back, you know, now that we've been doing it for many years, you know, kind of stepping back and saying, okay, if I knew nothing, where would I want to start? And then that's where it kind of branched out from there. I appreciate that approach so much because I think it is, it's like, as with anything that has like a lot of people that enjoy it, it gets complicated until you get these avid anglers who can talk in such technical terms that it goes just like a mile over my head. Uh, and so approaching it from the perspective of a beginner um, as a true educator. Uh, and it, is, it's yeah, honestly helpful for me, you know, <laughs> to, to step back, kind of dial it back and be like, you know, because you, once you get into it and you can go on YouTube and watch videos and different people have different ways of doing the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. and one you know I've seen so many where they're like this is the way to do it and then the next guy will do it a different way and this is the way you have to do it and really what it boils down to is I think as you spend time on the water you kind of get your own way of doing it like what works best for you because we're all so individualized Mm -hmm. and so that's why I think it's always good even for somebody who's been doing it for a few years to kind of step back break it down make it simple and, you know, just hone in on, on what you find works best for you. 
Maggie, do I remember a story where you caught a bass on a fly line? Yes. Um, uh, like I said, not been like major on the bass scene, obviously, is in my adult life. Like I put some miles on my Snoopy ride when I was a little kid, but <laughs> I hadn't fished for bass in a while. And Orvis sent me, it was like right before the pandemic, January 2020, they sent me to manage the Orvis Sandestin store for a month. And so I was down there and like in my head, you know, Destin's like not really a fly fishing destination, so to speak. And so, you know, I brought some fly rods, but I was like, I'm probably going to be better if I go, go out and buy some thin gear. And so like, you know, I, I go down to worldwide sports on like my first week there and buy like the spin rod and all this and the house I was staying in was on a golf course and had a bunch of ponds. And so I took that spin rod out there and I tried to catch bass like two or three times didn't catch anything. I was like, man, this is lame. And then I put a fly on and I caught one on the first cast. I was like, it's probably because that's what they haven't seen. Oh, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure all the people living around the golf course are probably throwing worms and all kinds of stuff all the time. But, um, it was pretty, pretty entertaining. And I was very thrilled to catch like an eight inch little small mouth bass. Um, but that was the last time I've touched a bass. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. It just, uh, reminded me, um, couple years ago Jen Ripple was actually talking to me about possibly joining the team Nashville Bassmasters and fishing with fly gear of course because that's all she does and uh, you know we entertained that for a little bit but the president of the club was kind of like you know it's gonna be a challenge because you're you're gonna be on a bass boat and you know you've got all that fly line to deal with and the casting's different and then bass boats yeah. are just like a myriad of things to get tangled on with all your line yeah. that you have out too um that's why exactly. flat boats are so clean you know on the front yeah um but funny funny other bass story like one of the main reasons I got into fishing to even start with was because my dad had a bass boat and I wouldn't consider myself a girly girl but I was girlier than my sisters and so I wanted to go fishing because it was a sparkly boat and I love that it had glitter <laughs> But that was the boat's name, was the sparkly boat. I like it. <laughs> That's funny. I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm surprised they even considered the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, kudos to Jen for wanting to give it a try. It would, be, right. would have been really cool. <laughs> I feel like you guys yeah, fishing together. Been a struggle. With two different yeah. types of anglers on either end of the boat, though. Right. Yep. It gets a little tricky, for sure. It reminds me, like, I bet your relationship is a little bit like the River Y. <laughs> um, do you remember that book? Was that? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, where mom was a conventional angler and dad was a fly angler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's a funny story. It is. Uh, speaking of stories, Angie, what's one of your favorite uh, stories of all the million days you have on the water pick one <laughs> <laughs> yeah right um, there's been so many one early on right after I got my pontoon that I bought I you know was just learning like I said and I invited a friend of mine out who uh, he's from Miami but he's just he's done some uh, quite a bit of fishing over the years and so he, uh, he came out with me one Saturday morning, and I really was still learning the lake. I didn't really know where to go to target fish, but 
I just picked this cove that was kind of close to the marina where I was keeping my pontoon and we went back in there. He brought a Cinco, which I'd never fished or heard of a Cinco before. So he introduced me to that, which has now become probably my number one go-to bait, which it's just a little plastic worm that kind of resembles an ink pen. Like the profile of an ink pen is where actually Gary Yamamoto got the idea hmm. to design that bait. But um he had like two old Cinco's that were already kind of tore up and that's all he had with them. And he caught probably five huge bass in that cove on that same worm. And I caught two or three pretty good sized ones. And it was just one of those mornings that you just don't get all the time. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was just, everything was lined up perfect and we had a blast. So that that's one of my favorite, um, probably I probably haven't had a morning quite like that until I fished Gunnersville for the first time, uh, probably three or four weeks ago now. I hired uh, or my buddy Shane um, as a guide out there. And so we went out because I've never fished Gunnersville and I had a tournament coming up with Team National Bassmasters in a couple weeks. So I wanted to get out there and just get a little taste of it because I've heard it can be a very intimidating lake. It's a very big lake and it's full of grass, which I'm not used mm-hmm. to fishing a lot of grass. My lake that I fish on most of the time here is Percy Priest and it's a very rocky lake. It doesn't have a lot of grass. So I knew this was going to be a challenge for me. And anyway, so I went out with, with my buddy Shane for like four hours and we probably caught 25 bass. Wow. Um, yeah, we probably lost 25 because <laughs> <laughs> the... the they're very difficult to hook. I've never had fish like this before. Like you really got to set the hook on those Gunnersville bass. <laughs> um, and any given one was, could, could have been a, a giant. I mean, it was so exciting. I was like, man, this, I cannot wait to get back here. And it was kind of overcast that day, a little wind. Um, we had just had some rain that, that cleared up in the morning. And for my tournament, when, you know, Blue skies, high sun, you know, <laughs> like totally different conditions, and I just couldn't get them to bite. So, mm-hmm. and of course, they were in a transition pattern. So when when we were there, it was a little bit closer to when they had were finishing the spawn, and when my tournament was. Now they were totally all in transition. So uh, I had a hard time, um, but it, it it was a humbling experience, and I've learned. Uh, I learned a lot and I know a lot of things I need to work on before I go back to Gunnersville again, but it's super fun. In grassy water like that, where do they typically hang out? Like, do they, is it topwater fishing um, because it's easier to see or do they like hang low because there's lots of bugs? Yeah, um, it can be a really good topwater bite. A lot of people love to throw frogs out there in Gunnersville and the lily pads and the grass mats and things like that. Um, when we were there, um, they were kind of hanging a little bit lower. I actually didn't even throw any top water at all during my tournament. Um, I, we were still finding them kind of, so with the spawn, they were on their beds. Now they're kind of moving off the beds and there's the males, they call them fry garters. They're kind of hanging around the babies protecting them from predators and stuff like that. So you're kind of trying to find those fry garters and uh, stuff like that. So it's definitely a learning experience. 
I've, I'm curious when you're like actually targeting bass because it's so different in the trout world and like so many more species can live in warm water. Like what is your bycatch? Like how, how often are you actually catching bass or other things? Or is it all bass because of the lures you're using? I get for me, um, and I've, I've heard of people catching like big drum and things like that when they're bass fishing. For me so far, it's always been bass, um, which I guess is a good thing. <laughs> But, um, yeah, because I've always I, I, wondered just with the amount of like panfish and you know bluegill and crappie yeah. and catfish, you never know what's going to be in place as big as gunner sold too. But right. you're you're I, like you're targeting bass and you're catching just bass. Right, I did, and I, I do think it probably has a lot to do with the type of lures that you're using. But I think I on Nick Jack Lake, which is near Chattanooga, I had a tournament there, and toward the end of the day, I hooked into something massive that actually busted my line and I'm telling myself it was a catfish <laughs> so never got to see it is either that or the world's biggest bass, or just bass. <laughs> yeah it was so, totally a catfish yeah <laughs> so so that can happen but it doesn't seem to happen super often but if you're just fishing with chicken livers you're probably just going to catch catfish right <laughs> right exactly Hot dogs. they all have different diets because I mean when we Big. trout fish you know like half the time you're catching a white fish or something if you're mm-hmm. going subsurface a white fish or a sucker fish um mm-hmm. it's not always trout but they oftentimes feel very similar mm-hmm. uh i fry guard fry garter is my new favorite term for a parent <laughs> maggie <laughs> maggie your new fry garter <laughs> it's awesome you're a little fry um so I did want to go back to a question I had previously when you were talking about um, being a co on the boat with a pro. What is the, can you talk about that role? What do you, what did you do as a co? Are you fishing or are you like a fishing support? Yeah, no, you're fishing. Um, so the pros, all the, the ones controlling the boats, they're competing against the other pros. And then the co's are fishing on the back of the boat they're competing against all the other co-anglers in the tournament. So it's kind of two different, two different sides. So you're not necessarily fishing against each other in the boat, which is nice because I do like that kind of team atmosphere. Um, I usually approach it like that, even though my co-anglers fish doesn't count toward my catch. I like to be helpful. And, you know, if, if I'm having luck on a certain bait, I may let them borrow what I'm using kind of a thing and vice versa my toes have all been awesome in that way as well so nice. um and you help each other um like you can or you can tell them if you don't want help with netting a fish but most i love all the help i can get so if i catch a big fish the co will stop fishing go grab the net and help me get that you know fish in the boat and vice versa so you're kind of working together in that regard too um and the co-anglers they're their limit is three fish and the pros limit is five fish. So the co's are just trying to get their best three fish and um, the pros can can, uh, bring in up to five fish to the scales at the end of the day. And is there like a set of requirements you need to meet before you can sign up as a pro? Um, So you have to have a, a boat that is sufficient enough for the tournament so it has to have a live well um and a trolling motor 
and then uh, I think the big motor, the requirement is it can't be more than 250 horsepower. Mm -hmm. So those are just some requirements. Got to have insurance, coverage, liability, um, fishing license, obviously. Yep. <laughs> um, you have to be a certain age, I think. I don't know the rules off the top of my head, but I think it might be 18 for the LBAA. Um, so. Cool. So if you don't have a boat, you need to find a pro. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So the way it works is the sooner you register for the tournament, oh, um, the if, there's if there's 20 boaters registered and, and 25 toes, then those last five to register have to wait until more boaters sign up before they can um, get approved to fish the tournament. And then That's they do cool. a random, yeah. yeah, and then they do a random drawing at the tournament as far as who gets paired up with who. So you, okay. you grab a number and, and the co grabs a number and whoever gets paired up together and that's who you're, you're fishing with for the day. So, that's cool. I had I, thought it was like a, a situation where you needed to register together, but uh, the idea that you can yeah. register as a co and then get paired up with somebody on a boat that, that just, I mean, I think that probably removes some barriers to access, um, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and there are um, other tournaments where you are registering together as a team, but this one in particular, you don't have to necessarily know anybody. You can just sign up, and you're you know going to get paired with somebody. Um, we do have practice days before the tournament, and so if a co wants to go out with a pro practice days, they do kind of have to work that out. Yeah, you know, reach out to somebody and say, "Hey, do you mind if I ride with you?" Yeah interesting and then you never know yeah and that i guess it also makes sense if they're pairing you up blindly then it's a good thing you're not competing or on the same team because that could be tense <laughs> if it, yeah it could be hopefully it wouldn't be because we're all fishing and isn't that grand um but i imagine it could be uh situations where if if you guys are uh if your success is dependent on the other person it could it could be right uh interesting dynamics yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I personally, this is something I found after doing it now for a couple of years, well, about a year and a half now, um, is I prefer to practice fish by myself. And mm -hmm. some of the ladies do, some of them always have a co with them. Uh, but I feel like I make better decisions when I'm by myself than when I'm thinking about the other person on the back of the boat, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say more about that? Because I'm definitely the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. I just, I think about the other person way too much. So when I'm practice fishing, I'm really just trying to learn a body of water. I like to, you know, take my time and really focus. And I just feel like I can focus better too when I'm by myself where my head is just a little more clear because I'm not worrying about the other person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That can sometimes be a challenge during a tournament um, where I found myself probably making a different decision than I would have if I was by myself. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. I found that with hunting, I have the same problem. If I'm hunting with somebody, then um, I tend to prioritize their experience, mm -hmm. uh, which part of me is very content to do because... Um, I like it when the people I'm with have a good time, but it also gets in the way. <laughs> right. It's just, 
yeah, it's it's good to know that about myself. I'll just stay yeah. with that. Yeah. And it, you know, it worked out pretty well with the team situation because we're fishing to get like all our fish count, regardless of I catch them or the other guy catches them, you know. So mm-hmm. that that kind of sometimes can be an advantage because they can focus. That's the other thing I've learned too. It's like I'm running the trolling motor. I'm having to worry about boat positioning and all these other factors. Whereas the person that's fishing on the back of the boat, all they have to worry about is their cast and their yeah. bait presentation. You know, they don't have the other distractions. And so often my, my co-anglers do better than I do <laughs> yep. because we're on the fish, but I'm having, I'm distracted by doing all this other stuff. And that's just something that's going to get better, you know, with more time on the water, more time running the, the trolling motor and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you ever sign up? Yeah. For... Go ahead, Maggie. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I definitely prefer fishing by myself a lot of the time. Like I certainly love introducing people to the sport, but um, I'm thinking this year, like having a baby on my chest might work mm-hmm. to my advantage. Cause I go to a lot of like river openers where you're on foot and it can be like shoulder to shoulder crowding. And I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe a crying baby will be a deterrent. <laughs> and then if I really, really want to step it up in ice, I might wear Crocs with socks and like a fake ankle monitor. everybody will stay away from me (laughs) oh that's brilliant take a picture if you do that please (laughs) with the crying baby I've got my my campsite booked because I usually fish um, the Yellowstone River opener and um, I'll always like get up at you know three in the morning and hike in and I'm like I can't do that this year with a baby so I'm gonna have to be roadside where all the people are so I've been really like strategizing out how I'm gonna deal with it this year (laughs) but I'm thinking thinking those are all three good good things to do (laughs) it sounds like good tactics to me it's fantastic wear a GoPro so you can capture people's expressions yeah after bass tactics you can have a how to how to not have anybody fish around you right (laughs) how how to scare people (laughs) 100 yards away nice oh that's funny okay we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our partners we will be right back howdy artemis listeners this is aaron kindle from nwf outdoors we know you love awesome conservation conversations That's why we want to invite you to check out the NWF Outdoors podcast, where we dive deep into the issues, people, and places that showcase the best of the sporting conservation lifestyle. Guests include leaders, luminaries, and decision makers who define conservation and work tirelessly for fish and wildlife. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or at nwfoutdoors.org. All right, welcome back. I think this has been a fun conversation and I, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Uh, Maggie, did you have any questions you wanted to ask Angie before I delve into some last ones that I have? Okay. Well, this one's twofold. I want to know, Angie, where do you fish the most? And Marsha, she mentioned one lake earlier. I'm wondering if you know any significance to Nickajack Lake that she was talking about earlier. No, I don't. That's where Johnny Cash had his, like, spiritual awakening. He went to commit suicide there, and then he stopped doing drugs and wrote all this good music. So, fun fact about Nick Jack Lake. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we... Uh, and is we that actually... the main place where you fish, or you fish at, like, Percy Priest more, or do you travel all around? Percy Priest is the, 
lake I fish the most. Uh, I have a houseboat out there and my fishing boat is on a lift at one of the marinas. So it's pretty convenient for me to get out when I have some time. Um, so I, with the tournaments, you know, I, I have been traveling to other lakes a little bit more. Um, Old Hickory is probably the second most fish lake that I've been on, um, which is just outside of Nashville as well. But that one's been a challenge for me. So I need to get back out there a few more times and see if I can figure out Old Hickory. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Johnny Cash story on Naked Jack. So the the area where he was is, is the cave and it's, it's really cool area uh but i fish from a little bit of an unconventional boat i have a bay boat which is a center console key west that you typically would see like in the gulf or inshore and so this boat because it's got the center console um i don't have i can't really squeeze under a lot of the bridges on some of these lakes that are really really low like you can in a bass boat and so the bridge to get back to the Nickajack Cave area is pretty low. And the first day during practice, I tried it. I mean, I probably had an inch and a half of clearance getting under that bridge. But one of the, <laughs> old, the old timers was fishing off the bank. And he said, he said, yeah, they're really playing with, with the levels today. So you want to be careful to go back in here because they were raising and, and lowering the, the level of the, the lake. So... Mm-hmm. I, I was like, well, I'm not going to risk that, you know, so I, I went back out, but there, I did see two boat ramps back there. So I thought if I really got in a pinch, <laughs> we could always go get the, the truck and trailer and get it out that way. Um, but during the tournament, me and my, I was, I was partnered up with this guy named Durrell and we, we went back there and, uh, yeah, it, the water did come up while we were back there, but we still had just just enough clearance to get back out under the bridge. <laughs> You're like, think heavy scary, thoughts. But... Yeah. <laughs> a little bit scary, but it was worth it because we did get one nice keeper back there for the tournament. So, <laughs> Well, you're in such a cool area with so many different types of water around. Um, I used to work for Orvis and a girl took over for my position managing the Orvis store in Jackson Hole and she was a guide on the Caney Fork um, in mm-hmm. Nashville. And so, I mean, yeah. and that's their, you know, trout fishery, so tailwater. Yep. Yeah, Susan Thrasher's out that way. I've gotten to, I don't know if you know Susan, but I haven't fly fished with her yet, but I've gotten to go visit her little area. She's got a pretty cool setup out there on the Caney Fork where she's got some uh, campers where people can stay overnight. She does women's events and stuff. So Yeah, so you've got all sorts of access there, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah, very, very blessed. And then I get to go down to Florida in the in the winter with my job. Um, I don't really need to be here in the winter months. So we go That's down to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we go down to Florida. This year we'll be in Fort Myers for three months. And so lots of great fishing down that way. And I'll be right close to Debbie Hansen, um, who's a, a guide down there and has a radio show on ESPN and uh, looking forward to having Debbie uh, take me and show me a thing or two. Um, we uh, wanted to get, I haven't got a peacock bass yet. I don't know if you've ever heard of peacock nice. bass. Yeah. But uh, I was hoping to get my first peacock bass with, with Debbie this past winter. I ended up um, testing positive for COVID. So I said, nope, not coming, <laughs> obviously. 
Um, and yeah, so wow. we'll make it happen this this coming winter for sure. What's a peacock um, bass? That I just, yeah, I don't know. That just made are. me think, Marsha. There's a there's the most wonderful woman in the world, Jean Brune, that guides out here in the summer. And she leads peacock bass trips in the winter, and she would be a wonderful person to have on the podcast. Mm. Okay. Nice. Well, then I will but save that question I, for I her. Thought, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I never thought I would be like all in on like a destination peacock bass fishing trip. Like I want to go do like the tarpon thing and the permit thing and all that before. And I watched her presentation last year on her trips to Brazil and all the different species of peacock bass, and it's unreal. Huh. Mm. Awesome. Uh, Angie, so is there any? Get one. Yeah, I hope you get one. Send us pictures. Yeah. And we have like four ambassadors in the Florida area now, too. Um, so, okay. yeah, if you want some podcast fodder when you're down there, let me know and I will connect you to them. They're all amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything you wanted to mention before we transition to hits and misses? Anything we wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? I don't think so. I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now. Yep. <laughs> I've got a little bit of a break in travel, and then uh, Bull Shoals is our next tournament, which is in Arkansas. So that we leave for June 10th. I think we're going to hit the road and get some practice fishing in for that one. I've only fished Bull Shoals one time in my life, and it was for walleye. So mm -hmm. I've got a lot to learn. The lake's about 20 feet high, last I heard. So um, that will make it interesting as well. Yeah. So but when you travel, are you camping? Are you are you pulling your boat and your camper and all that fun stuff? Yes. So whenever possible, we bring the Lance Truck Camper Mobile Podcast Studio, which is a truck <laughs> truck camper. You know, so it sits in the bed of the truck, so that allows us to be able to tow the boat behind the truck. Got it. And uh, this one. I hear the roads are pretty intimidating uh, because it is in the Ozark Mountains. And mm -hmm. so that's going to be interesting, but hopefully it won't be as bad as what we're worried about. <laughs> Sounds that beautiful. Is a, a very long rig. Um, mm -hmm. I think we measured it it's from the beginning of the truck to the end of the boat. It's like 54 feet. Damn. So, yeah. All right. Next time we do a podcast together, we're going to talk about backing up Dana <laughs> <laughs> yeah. does all the driving so nice. she's an expert backer upper and all that she does such a great job keeping us safe out on the road and I can work while she's driving and works out really well nice excellent well it's time for hits and misses uh, the question is what have you been aiming for lately and how did it go Maggie kick us off I mean, you know, I've been aiming to just like keep another human being alive for the last few months. So in the next week, two weeks, I've got two more weeks left of maternity leave. And so I'm oh. aiming to try and get out somewhere and take her camping and fishing on my own to like kind of prove to myself that I can do it before okay. I go back to work. So nice. that's my goal. Excellent. Um, I look forward to hearing that story. And, um, Good job on keeping the tiny human alive and good luck with the transition back to uh, to work. Are you going back full time? Yep. I go back June 7th full time. So I will be answering a lot of emails that have been giving me anxiety for a couple months on my phone that have just been stacking up. So. Yep. <laughs> I know how that goes. Awesome. 
Angie, what have you been aiming for lately and how did it go? Um, well, I, I guess I kind of already talked about it, but that, that Gunnersville experience humbling me um, from the, the experience I had the very first time going out with my buddy Shane to fishing the tournament and not having the same exciting experience that I was expecting. Um, so now I guess I'm just aiming to kind of hone in some of the, the skills that I need to uh, brush up and, uh, and uh, get some more experience fishing uh, grass lakes. Nice. Awesome. Uh, well, I've not been keeping a tiny human alive, but I have been trying to keep my dog alive um, lately. And she always makes it a little bit challenging and she's giving me the stink eye right now, but she got sprayed not too long ago. So in the five months that I've had her, she's just been on a, she, yeah, she just throws herself at life and there are consequences to that. And she got sprayed by a skunk twice. Um, oh, man. the week before I went away for vacation and it was like, we went out on a Tuesday and she got sprayed by a skunk and then we went to a different area on Wednesday and she went back and found the same skunk got sprayed. So if anybody needs tips on how to de-skunk a dog, um, <laughs> I, I can help you out with that. Uh, it's just Dude. challenge, right? Yeah. She keeps me on my toes. My new motto is what would Zoot do? <laughs> no fear. Go for it. Um, and then I also, um, I don't know, I feel like it's been, um, May is typically a hard month for me just for a variety of personal reasons. Uh, but this May, it, it's been nice. I went to California and sat on a beach with some friends for a few days and, uh, my garden is, uh, is, you know, exactly where I want it to be, which never happens. <laughs> um, usually <laughs> I'm like two weeks behind, uh, but, but things are good, so. Um, it's been hit after hit lately, except for the skunk. That was a hit too. It was yeah, a, a hit literal was. hit. Yeah. Yep. yep. The skunk aimed well. Bullseye twice. Yep. Man. Anyway, Angie, thank you so much for joining. It was really great to talk to you and um, to hear your story and to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, thanks for yeah. hopping on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And Maggie, Super nice to meet you, Andy. We'll have to get together and fish sometime. Yes, let's make that happen. Awesome. Uh, to our listeners, a couple of reminders. One, it's not too late to register for our final session of the Bass Tactics Workshop. Um, it'll be on June 14th at 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time and 6.30 Eastern Time. Uh, we'll link to it in our show notes. Hop on and uh, learn more about bass fishing from the wonderful Angie Scott. And then lastly, uh, be sure to take our podcast survey. We um, want to hear from you so we can um, produce more podcasts that are meeting your needs and your interests. Thank you for joining us on the Artemis podcast. We hope you're having a great week. Until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. Mm -hmm.